We're going to be in Acts 14, the second half of it today. So if you will, go ahead and turn with me there. But before we uh, dive in, I um, want to kind of intro today with uh, a little bit of a story that I enjoy watching. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the short clips like on uh, YouTube or um, any of the you know, social media things where someone's at the... Uh, the drop of a roller coaster, you know, one of those just free fall ones, and the dude running the uh, coasters like, oh, the machine is telling me that your seatbelt, there's a malfunction, and let me come check it, and he's pushed the button, and as he's walking over there, they just drop, and they're like, ah, about to die, like, you know, like, that would, I, I've watched enough of those now that I think I'd be like, okay, I know what he's doing here, I've got him, but like, the first one I saw, I was like, I would probably have a heart attack on that roller coaster, like, because that's, like, the biggest fear of me. I don't know if you guys have seen that one video of a kid that, like, his harness wasn't done well enough, and he's, like, floating out of it slowly, and it's, like, choking him, and I'm, like, that's my biggest fear of a roller coaster, is, like, going out that way, like, man, that would stink, but I tell you that story, mention that to you, because today I don't want to surprise you like that, okay? Um... I want to begin the day by saying today is going to be heavy. Um, I don't think today's message is going to be easy to receive. And I went into this week knowing the message would probably be heavy. But as I prayed and the week progressed, God kept just pointing and saying, Yes, Joe, go, go. And he told me to be more direct than I was planning on being. Uh, so I want to give you just kind of an idea, too, of like the purpose of preaching. Uh, Seth and I have talked and discussed about this often, and we talk about it almost every other week, probably. Like, what is our job in preaching? And it's different than teaching, because teaching is, I'm taking God's Word and revealing what it says to you so that you can receive and learn. Preaching's like one extra step of that. It's not just teaching it so you can understand what God's Word is saying, but also helping you apply it based upon what God is telling me for our church now. Like, how do we need to apply this message? And so, uh, like, that, that's kind of like the struggle and this thing that Seth and I talk about almost every week. Like, I'm trained enough now, I can give you what the Word is saying. Seth has done it enough now, he, he's like, I can get there. And like what we talk about and what we struggle with is, what is God saying this week to our people through this passage? And so th- this is the work, and, and but God was very clear this week. And I, I think that I'm just going to lay it out for you at the very beginning, but today God is calling us to get serious about his mission. You may be like, Joe, I've heard you say this so many times. Yes, you have. But I'm I'm taking it a step further today. Like, he's calling us to get so serious about this mission that it is, I hope, going to be a day for us that we look back on and say, God called us to something that day. Not that we look back and we say, it was Seth's birthday. Hey, yeah, no, but that it was, that was the day that God did something, okay? And I know that we, when we began the church, this was so key and critical to us as we were starting, like, to be missional, to do the things that we see, but 
uh, in Scripture, but it, it, it seems to have faded in some senses. And so I want to quickly, before we dive into Acts, guide us to the mission that Jesus gives us. Jesus' view of his mission, because we quickly make it about a lot of things and make Jesus about a lot of things that don't really prioritize what Jesus prioritized. In Matthew 4, 18 through 20, it should be on the screen, it says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who, call, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. So the very first moment, the very first person that Jesus calls, he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. You're no longer going to be fishers of fish. You're going to be a fisher of people. Like, that is his first calling to his apostles. The first words. Then we come to the Great Commission at the end of his life. And the Great Commission, the reason it's given that name is the co-mission. Co, we're in company together. We're doing this together, the mission together, okay? It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The command here, the only imperative in this text is not the go, it's make disciples. The only command that Jesus gives here is make disciples. So the beginning, the first thing of his ministry is you're going to be fishers of men. Go and make disciples. The end of his ministry, he says, go and make disciples. And then, just to give you a little extra, because we oftentimes leave this out, Acts 1, 7 through 9, the moment right before he ascends, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, talking about when he will return, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of sight. So the last words Jesus said to his disciples was, you're going to spread the gospel to the world, to the ends of the earth. We're going to make believers. We're going to make disciples. So get what Jesus' mission was. He didn't at the end say, be really lovey-dovey to each other. Be really gentle and kind and gracious. Those things flow from a relationship with Him. Hear me say that. But His main goal, His main eye, His eyes were fixed on making disciples. His first in his last words, and not only, with, I want to make a little quick joke, he told the disciples, don't go do it on your own yet, I'm going to come help you do it. So don't go mess it up, I'm going to come along and do it with you through the Holy Spirit. So the, the, he gives a little caveat, don't, don't just go on your own, I'm going to help you. But that is what Jesus is about. Jesus' goal was not to come and create kumbaya on this earth. His desire was for people to follow him. Like I just said, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control all come with following Jesus. All come as fruits of the Spirit. But it begins in following Jesus, which is the most important thing. And His mission to us is to follow Him and make followers. 
So today we're going to see from Paul three characteristics that we must have to be successful on Jesus' mission. To be successful in the mission He's given us. So before we begin, I want to say I love you church family. I'm going to come hard here in a minute. And it's not because I like get joy from this and I want to, it's to me as well. Like God has really convicted me of this this week. Like and over and over, it was like four or five times God was pointing, yes, Joe, yes. Okay, so with that, I love you. Don't hear me being mad at you. Hear me encouraging you to something so much better. So much, so, so much greater than what we're actually pursuing right now. Let me pray, and we'll dive into the passage together. God, I thank you for your word, and I ask that you speak it to us now. I thank you where you've made it obvious what Jesus' mission was, and help us <clears throat> wherever we find ourselves today to get locked into your mission and not our own, and not be about what we think, but we'll hear from you and do what you call us to. So God, I ask that you work and you build your church here and you do something today that we remember, like we talked about. Lord, that you would, you would do something that we look back on and say, that was a day that God changed our church. So God, I ask that you stir up within us a desire to be on your mission and not our own. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we're going to see several different things here with Paul in Acts 14. Uh, I will read the whole passage and then I'll break it down some as we go. But Acts 14, 19 through 28, it says, But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel, they preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples. They returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia, and when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia, and from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commanded to, commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived, they gathered with the church together. They declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. So we see the end of the first missionary journey of Paul here. So you hear about Paul's missionary journeys, like here's the ending of it, okay? So first point for us today, our mission takes commitment. Our mission takes commitment. <clears throat> in 1920, we talked about it last week and we kind of led into it. Paul was sharing and people come up behind, start coming in, coming up, following up what he's doing building people against him, stirring them up to the point where they stone Paul. I want you guys to get how committed Paul was to this mission. So committed that he was willing to take on a death sentence. Willing to continue preaching and continue going with people on his heels knowing that they're wanting to stone him. 
And he keeps going. He's so committed that in the midst of threats, midst of being hounded, he preaches the gospel. And he gets stoned to the point of death. They think he is dead. I want you to think about that. Like, it's not just... Hey, we threw some pebbles or like when a little kid comes and throws a rock at a truck. We're not talking about that. We're talking about boulders that they would throw to end your life. And they thought they were successful with what they had done to Paul. And then in the midst of that, he's surrounded by the disciples, the ones he's been reaching, he, the ones he's been sharing with, people that believed. And they grab him, they help him up, and he goes back into the city of the people who just stoned him. Get that. If I'm getting stoned, I'm not going back to the people who just stoned me. But Paul says... I'm committed to these people and this mission that God's called me, the church that sent me out, I'm going. And so, near death, gets up, goes back in to those people. Get the commitment. Like, I dare think that very few of us are like, yeah, that's me. When I was playing football on Friday nights I played running back and so I got beat up a lot and my sister had volleyball tournaments on Saturday morning and that was the thing I dreaded most every week because my parents expected me to come to her volleyball tournaments and after being beat up all Friday night to stand up and then go and sit in a bleacher was like the worst thing ever and that was me getting hit in football like I dreaded it if I could have gotten out of it I would have Paul has just been stoned to the point where he is looking like he's dead. And he's still going with the mission. He was devoted to this mission. And church family, I want to say that we're given these stories. We're given this example of Paul not to say, hey, look how great Paul is. He is so good at being a follower of Jesus. The point of it is, is to say, this is the expectation of being a follower of Jesus. This is what life looks like. Being a people who are consistently committed to the calling. Committed to going. Committed no matter what it takes. Going, going, going. Being willing. Being committed to the point of death. Church family, today... Would you, I don't want you honestly think, I want you to think of your kids, I want you to think of your family, I want you to think of all the people around you, I want you to say, see in your own heart, am I willing to leave everything that I have here for the sake of the gospel if God calls me to be a martyr? Because most everyone in here would definitely have a hesitancy. I still get a check even though there's been many times in my life where I felt like, all right, this could be the one. Like, that's not our natural, like, yeah. But this is how committed Paul is. And we have to ask ourselves, not because Paul is the gold standard, but because this is the standard. It's just the standard of Christ's likeness. It's we have died to ourselves. We are His. 
Are we committed to the point of if it calls for my life, I am going to freely give it? And the question probably arises in our head, where does this commitment come from for Paul? And it's because he met Jesus. He met Him on the road to Damascus. He received salvation. His motivation was the gospel change he had experienced. Paul became a follower of Jesus and didn't simply do what all the followers around them he didn't just like say, all right, this is the model of Christianity. He said, I'm going to follow Jesus. And what Jesus calls me to do, I'm doing. It's not based upon what other people are doing around me. I'm going with the gospel. He understood the expectation. And if we aren't living like this, it's one of two reasons. One, we have never truly met Jesus and been changed. So if we don't have this desire, it's because we've never met Jesus and never been changed by the gospel. Or secondly, it's because we don't think that this is his expectation for us. Or we're just living in disobedience, like willingly. But hear me, church, our standard is not what other churches and other people are doing around us. Our standard is Jesus and his word. We are Christ's followers. We are gospel-focused. That is what it means to be a Christ follower. We are not mega-church followers. We are not Christian soccer moms. We are not Christian engineers. We are not Christian farmers. We are not Christian plus anything. Our identity has to be a follower of Christ alone. We like to add the blank Let's just be His. And please realize this is it. This is the conviction for everything this week. Everything else should fade away and we should be Christ alone. Whatever you call me to, I'm yours. Wherever you call me to go, whatever that looks like for my family, whatever, I'm yours. And I'm not afraid of what people think. I'm not going to care about what people say. I'm yours. People should know that I'm a Christ follower over everything else. Just from the, the moment they meet me, the things I say, the way I act, everything about me should say, I exude Christ. I am His. And partway is not the standard that Jesus calls us to. That's our standard that we've created. Full commitment looks like this that we find from Jesus in the Scriptures. Matthew 16, 24, I read it last week, but again, Jesus told His disciples, if anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. Die to yourself. Deny yourself. We're His. Luke 14, 26, if anyone comes to Me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yet even his own life, he cannot be My disciple. We talked about this just recently. This is the image of we love Christ so much and we are His so much that every action is for Him so much that it almost looks like we don't care about our family. We don't even care about ourselves because we're willing to die for Him. Like that doesn't seem like, oh, Joe really cares about his life. If I'm willing to be a martyr, it says oh, to the world, like, what's Joe doing? Does he really care about his family? That's what it means to do what Jesus is talking about. Love Him so much that all other relationships almost look like we hate them. Matthew 19, 21, Jesus said to him, if you would, per 
If you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Luke 9.60 And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Get what Jesus is. Jesus is not just enjoy your life on the side and I'm kind of a part of it. It's everything. It's your father has died. Let the dead bury the dead. Get how real Jesus is and how like against culture. Like it's me is what he's saying. Follow me. Church family, we're not doing that. We're not that committed. And I want to say, these are Jesus' words, not mine, so don't jump on my back, but this is the standard. Paul got that and he went for it to the point of being willing to die. So church, I'm about to turn it up a little bit towards us. I feel like we've gotten soft. I don't know if that's the right term for it, and I think it's probably partly because Seth, I mean, no, just kidding. <laughs> I, I was making a joke about you being soft, but no. But we said certain things before we started this church that we've kind of slowed down on. And I've heard it said from a good friend that leaders ob are obligated to say the hard things. And I'm the leader, Seth's a leader. So I've got to be the one to do it. We've gotten off track, and it's my job to get us back on track. So for us, what does it look like to be committed to Christ's mission for our church? So our mission statement is built completely around the, the, um, uh, the Great Commission. So our mission statement, I'm going to guide it around that so, so that we can hold on to it. We proclaim Jesus and his gospel to one another, to our neighbors, and to the nations. So the one another, it's going to be on the screen for you. This will be a good thing to write down because this is our standard, I guess is the right thing to say. But it's not really our standard. It's giving you practical ways to uphold Jesus' standard, okay? A commitment to be in a discipleship relationship. A discipling relationship. That might be that you're an understudy or a mentor. We all need to be spending time weekly in a discipleship or every other week at least because what happens is, is we get when we get off on our own, we sit idly by doing our own thing, we get caught up chasing sin, we lose the mission, we lose what Jesus is calling us to, and we just live on our own. And what this discipleship, mentoring relationship does is it keeps us in tune. It keeps us walking together. And so I want to up the ante a little bit and say we should all be in some relationship like this. It might be that you're helping train someone or you're being trained, but we should all be in one, okay? So if you're not, I'm saying... Raise your hand. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying, let's get you one. Me and Seth want to help with that. Uh, I know Kirsten would help with that. Like, let's talk about how we can get you plugged in with that, okay? So now, secondly, a commitment to being in community groups. And so this is another step, but it's not as deep as the discipleship relationship. But this is just as important. This is like, we have become so lax in this, in the importance of this, 
the commitment to be at both weeks too. Not just when it's like the deep study for the men, like that's when we're going to be there, or the deep study for the women, that's when we're going to be there. But even when our kid, it's men and the kids, because that time with the kids is so important to show them other men in our church that love Jesus and are pursuing Him together, and we're doing this together. And then on the women's week, when they're with the kids, the same concept. So both weeks are just as important. Be there. The standard for the church member, every church member, is the same as Seth and I. So I've said this to you guys, to the men, I think, several times. I don't know if the women have ever heard this from me. But my belief that the church member's standard for being at community group is just as high as it is for me and Seth. And the reason why is because it's just as important for you to be there as it is for me to be there. Like, we are hurt just as badly as if you're not, if you're not there as if Seth or I are not there. Like, we are members just like you. And so I want you to think, like, I'm going to give you a quick example. Like, this is so high to me, and I'm not trying to be like a tyrant or anything like this. I mean, there's going to be moments. I get it. Like, there's things that have to come up where you can't miss, where you have to miss. I get it. But I, like, to give you an example, I planned my trip to Utah just a few weeks ago around being at community group that week. Like, so it was, that's how highly we think, I think about it, and we all should think about it, and I planned my trip around it so that I could be there, and we left, and sort of immediately following the, uh, the, the top, and we got to Nashville at like midnight. And was that ideal? No. But the commitment to being a part of this church family and doing this together is so high. I, there are things that are going to come up, but I want to say this. When it becomes an option to miss, it always becomes the easier thing to do. As soon as it's like, yeah, it's an option, like it's really easy to, you know, go to the option. And what I mean by that is, like, Megan and I, she has these pearl lives, I don't know if you're aware, but like most of you are aware, but like she does these online lives. Like any time, when we joke about this, any time that we give it as an option to delay that night, to, um, to uh, cancel that evening's party, it's like, Oh, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. As soon as we give it, make an option for it, it's like, oh, that's where we're going. We're going to canceling. Like, that's how it happens. And so what I'm saying is it's got to be a non-negotiable to miss. It's a non-negotiable. And I asked Megan, like, we were talking about this the other night. And I asked, like, she made a joke is what it was. She was like, like, there ain't no way Joe would let me miss, like, is what she said. And uh, I think uh, Logan Bow said something very similar to that, too. But, like, and the reason why is not because I've been like, Megan, you're not going to miss. It's just in our home, it's a non-negotiable. She, her, and I said, why do you feel like that? She said, it's just not an option. And so that's got to be the standard. It's not an option. And I'm not lifting myself up and saying, look at me, I'm so great. What I'm saying is like, church, we've all got to be like so committed. This is the most important thing in our lives. Jesus and his church being on his mission. Like it's got to be number one. 
And we so make it easy to just put other things in its way and it not be priority number one. Not only that, but not just a commitment to family, I mean, uh, community groups, but also a commitment to family worship in our homes. And like, I, I have struggled up and down with this even very recently. And I even talked about it in our community group with the men on Thursday. <clears throat> but this has got to be a high, high, high standard in our homes. And I can't easily like, say, yeah, you're not doing it, you are doing it. You... But in your discipleship group or your discipleship time, this is something that can be discussed. We're wanting to talk about it more and be more intentional in our accountability times. But this is something that we need to hold high. This is something that should be dear. And it's obvious to me, and, and I believe to Seth as well, that we have slacked in this. Like when it comes to family worship time as with our groups, like very few people talk. Everybody's like, oh, I don't want to say anything because, you know, we didn't do anything this week. You know, like that's what it feels like. My desire for our church family is that we all are so committed to him that this is just a natural part of our lives. And so family worship, once again, I want to say it, is not just when you have kids it's across the board, gathering with the people that are with you in your home and worshiping together. Okay, I, sorry, point one is super long today. I'm going to have to sprint, okay? But point, uh, the second area of the mission that we got to stay committed to is our neighbors. So we should be taking the gospel to our community every week. That was the, the, the standard before we launched. We were meeting every single week and saying, who did you share the gospel with this week? Who is it that you're sharing the gospel with next week? We should commit to sharing the gospel every week with at least one person. That should be at the core. Like, that's the standard. I've got to share with at least one person. Paul would say that's a pretty low standard probably. Jesus would say that's a pretty low standard. I'm trying to be gracious to you right now. But let's just share. And if we look back on our week and say, it didn't happen. That, we missed it. We, like, we missed it. Because that's not how Paul lived. That's not how Jesus lived. He called us to go. And if it's the one thing that we're doing in our lives, if his mission is priority number one, if it's Jesus number one, that's got to flow out of that. If, if it's not, then he's definitely not mission number one. So I want you to identify one person you're going to share with each week. And I'm going to tell you about what I believe God's calling me to do. This is something that I feel like God's calling me to do for years, actually. And I don't know if you're going to be on board with this or if you guys want to be a part of this. But, like, I don't know if you guys... Hey, can you go to the map real quick? Like, you have to scroll down in the message some, but get to the map. I don't know if y'all remember, but Paul went through this whole island and covered the whole island here of Cyprus. He starts here, and the passage said he just went through the whole island. He, like, shared the gospel to the whole island. So I feel like God has been encouraging me and saying to me, Joe, I want you to cover Hazel Green. And so what that looks like is I really feel like God's calling me. Well, I don't care what people think. I, and, you're going, and I haven't even shared this with my wife. The only reason Seth knows this is because he read my sermon yesterday to make sure I didn't say anything dumb. But with this, I feel like God is calling me to go door to door and to say I did everything I could to make the gospel known. And so... Going from neighborhood to neighborhood. It might take six years. It might take 
10 years. It might take one year. But I believe God's calling me on Saturdays to go to homes, walk, maybe spend half the day on Saturday being intentional. And I know this is old school, weird sounding maybe too, like, you know, the weird invitation on Tuesday nights, you know. Like, that's not the goal. This goal to go meet people and say, hey, like, I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to encourage you. And that just be it. Not like, like, it's not even going to be about inviting people to the church. For me, it's simply like, did I do all I could to reach the people of Hazel Green? Like, that's my commitment. It's to do everything I can to say I went on every doorstep and said, here's the love of Jesus. Here's what he's done for you. So I don't know if you are like, that's really dumb. And I'm not joining in. Or if you're like, I'm all in on that. Come and talk to me afterwards if you're interested at all. But I'm doing this. And so I want some folks to hold me to this. Y'all hold me to this. My wife hold me to this. Because my Saturdays are simply, not simply, but... It's every single Saturday is a work day mostly where I spend outside working on things on the farm. Yesterday I was with pigs all day. But pigs can wait. Jesus and his mission is so much more important. And so I'm going to commit to going on Saturdays to share the gospel to the world around us here. So what is God calling us to do? There's also mission ministries that we're about to begin. You're going to be hearing about them soon. We've been meeting as a mission team and things like that after services for for the past several weeks, we're looking at beginning, uh, we're, just be in prayer for this because we're trying to figure it out right now, but like a celebrate recovery uh, meeting place here, doing it here, and we're trying to work that out. We've been dealing with people, calling people, emailing folks, all kinds of stuff, trying to get this thing to happen, and we're in the process. Seth, I don't know if Seth's going, I'm going tomorrow night to celebrate recovery to talk to some people locally about it. So like, this is kind of where we're headed. That's one step. And then we've talked about some things of uh, mom share is what uh, Chance calls it. But uh, it's like moms caring for new moms and loving them and helping them through the process. And we've talked about that some. But these ministries are coming. Things we're looking at doing. Just be on guard. Just know. And we expect you to jump in on these. All right. Now to the nations. It's a commitment to give to pray for the nations and to go, for to be in on Nepal. If you gave up 2% of your year, that would be one week in Nepal. If you gave up 2% for the gospel going to the nations, it would be you giving one week to go to Nepal or wherever, it might, wherever else it might be. We're looking at other mission partners as well. But that's what God has called us to. And I think we're, we're doing that. We're talking through that a lot already. But it's those first things, our neighbors and to ourselves, that I think we're missing the most. We commit to those things, though, because all of those things that we've talked about are in our covenant. All those things I mentioned are things that we've said we would do in the covenant. If you've forgotten the covenant, it's online. You can read it on our website. If you need a copy, what you've agreed to, Church family, I'm so, so like, we've got to be about disciple making. I'm so committed to this now. I, I, I hope you've heard it in the past, but like, I'm not going to be okay with us not anymore. We've got to be committed to this mission because this is what Christ's likeness is. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. It's not just church doing country club church we show up and we look at each other's dresses and we say oh look how great it is to be together today and that's it 
That is not His mission for us. His mission is to go and take the Gospel, make disciples. If we're not making disciples, we're not doing His mission. And we're not Christ's followers at that point. Honestly. His followers make disciples. Okay, second point of the day. Now we're really going to sprint, okay? Our mission takes perseverance and humility. Here Paul, he goes to the same people that he... uh, that had just, you know, stoned him. He goes back into the city. He then goes and shares. And then I want to go ahead and pull up the map for me. I want you to see what he does. We, we read it all, but I'm going to re- do it from over here. So, it, I'm sorry, the map's really small. I, I'm failed. But, all right. So, they're here. They go down to Lystra. This is where he's stoned. They're mistaken for gods. Then he gets stoned here. He goes to Derby. That's what we just read. And then he turns back around and goes this way. This is where he ends up. He could have just said, all right, we're going to go home. Where's Paul from? Paul of Tarsus. Guess what? That's Tarsus right there. So on the way to his you know, ending point, he could have even gone home and said, hey, let's spend some time with family and friends, you know. No, what's Paul do? He turns around, and he goes up, and he backtracks all the way. He doesn't go back through Cyprus, but he backtracks all the way and comes back to Antioch. I wanted to point that out because Paul is saying, these people who have hated me, who have chased me, who have tried to stone me, I'm coming back to them. I'm not taking the easy way out. I'm not going home and then to, back to Antioch. But I am going to the people who don't want me. People that tried to kill him, who thought that they had killed him. And he returns to them and he shares. Our natural first reaction is probably to roll up with our boys and find the one who tried to start this mess and take someone out who tried to stone me, right? Like that's what we want to do. But that's not Paul's reaction. Paul's like, I'm turning around, and because they hate me, I'm bringing the gospel some more. And I'm encouraging the people that I've already reached. I'm building them up. I'm going to go right back into the fire for the sake of the disciples being made. So the people he's reached, he's going and he's building them up. The people who are poisoning the ears of those around him, he's going back to them. And I want to point you to something that just happened on Friday. This is a part of the thing. But I was at a breakfast meeting. And I was getting told some things that were said about me because I um, am so gospel mission focused or whatever. People poisoning others' ears, saying bad things about me and my family, that type of thing. This person was telling me, and I'm talking to this friend, and we're talking through this, and uh, like, I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to preach the gospel, you know, whatever. And this lady and her husband, I'm at a Waffle House, by the way, and so we're like in the corner booth. A lady and her husband who are at the bar right here, they stand up, and they walk over, and the lady grabs my arm, and she says, uh, keep doing what you're doing. Just preach Jesus because he's worth it. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> like, like in the midst of like, man, I'm getting frustrated here. People are saying dumb stuff. Like, 
And like the, the, the flesh is starting to rumble a little bit in me, you know, I'm starting to feel it. Like this lady comes up and just gives me this, she overheard us talking and just gives me this sweet encouragement to say, be about Jesus, just preach his gospel, just keep going. And so that's it. Like there are going to be people to talk and we're just going to persevere and go and it's not about us. And so we had to come humbly and say, no matter what they say about me, no matter what they do, I'm making it about Jesus. No matter what people say or push or agendas, whatever, it's Jesus first. So they're going to be attacks, church family, but he's worth it. He's come and he's given his life for us so that we could be made right with him, so that we could be reconciled to him, so that we could have a king who loves and cares a father who is protecting us so persevere with humility because it's not about you church family handle things how jesus would have told us to do so and paul came back to disciple and encourage and if we're going to live out this mission it will take time and it will take effort we will reach people and then we'll have to go back it will be difficult there will be time consuming perseverance of i don't see growth happening in this life i don't see things like i want and it's going to take our efforts and time it will take perseverance and it will cost us our dreams it will cost us the things that we might desire the most but he's worth it he is worth it all. It's not about what was easier for Paul. Paul could have complained and said, this route is much closer to home. I can go through Tarsus and see home. No, for him, it was about making disciples. This was his number one priority, and it's got to be ours. If I'm not sharing and do all of these other things well, I don't have a reason to complain either. So let me re-say that if i'm not sharing and doing all these other things well i don't have something to complain about because if i'm complaining if there's something i'm bringing up as an issue you're bringing up something that is not jesus's issue so what happens is when we slowly like get eased into like this is church life we're going to do church life then we start finding things that we don't like and we need to change this or that the color of the carpets we don't have carpet but you know what i mean we do have carpets they're kind of hidden right now in some trailer or something but like they're gone but with that like you can find stuff that you're complaining about when your eyes are not on the mission but you're not going to complain about stuff if you're going so if you're thinking of stuff like you don't like how this is done or that's done, and it's not about the mission, I'm done hearing it. That sounds rough, like, but I don't care anymore. Like, we could have the worst all things gathering together if, if the mission's being successful. Like, I care about sound, too. Like, Hear me, like, it irks me. Like, I hear something off, and I'm like, ugh! Like, it twists me up. But that's not it. And that's like the easy thing for me to think about. But there's so many other things that we could say, I don't like how this is done, or this, or this. But if we aren't being missional, if we're not doing the thing that he's called us to, if it's being about what we want church to be, if it's not his mission, I don't care anymore. I don't care, church family, and so I hope you don't either. Let's get on fire for him and just go. So I'm in it for the long haul. I want you to hear that. Like, we talk about, like, this church, like, if it never grows, I'm committed 
to being here doing this, going door to door at this point for the rest of my life here in Hazel Green. Because I am committed to His mission and what He's called us to here. And so my question is, are you going to come along and be with me like Paul? Are you going to be committed to making disciples here? Because I want us to be not a church that's about our preferences. I want us to be a church that about that are full of Pauls who are sold out on the mission of God. Thirdly, last point. Man, I said I was going to be fast, and I still haven't been fast. Third, our mission gives great joy. Quick summation. He goes back to Antioch. He gets back home, and he tells them about all that's happened. And he, he's gathering with the church that sent him out. And he's, hey, we did what you sent us to do. This took a, the mission took about a year. And he goes back in the end of the passage. It says that he stayed there for a long time, pretty much. And so he stayed for another year just being with his church family that sent him out. So they traveled on this long journey. They get back and they share and they tell. And it's kind of like when we went to Nepal for one week. We come back and we're excited about what God's doing and we're excited to be back with our church family and it's just this joyous moment. So our mission gives, gives, great, blah, gives great joy. But I want you to see, they came back telling about what God had done. Not what they had done. Not where they were successful. Not how Paul got stoned. Like They're ta- telling the story about how great our God is. And so our gathering should be like that, a time of celebration about what God has done this week. When we gather and we sing these songs, we're singing about the God who's been working this week. When we gather to talk in our community groups, it should be to encourage one another with what God has done this week. It's not a celebration about us or about how good our music is or about Joe sweating up here. It's about what our God has done. And I want to encourage you, church family, this is the beautiful picture. When we get to heaven, and our mission is done, the joy will be about what our God has done. And we will come to, back together with our church family, with His bride in heaven, and sing in celebration of our great King. And it won't be patting on the back, It will be, look, we've done it. We've come together and we're with our King. There will be high fives and hugs, but it will be over Him, not us. And I want to point us to Revelation 5, 6 through 14. I'm going to read it. And this is the picture of joy that we will experience one day when we are about this mission. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and your body was ransomed for people, a people for God, 
from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders of the voices of the angels, of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might and forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Church family, that's the joyous occasion that we get to be a part of. We as a church family, I can't wait to see my brothers and sisters in here together in heaven saying we struggled through this life together. We fought hard on the mission together. And it wasn't for our sake. It wasn't so that we could pat ourselves on the back, but it was for our King who was so good and so gracious. The Lamb who was slain for my soul and your soul. And we gave it all. All of our lives for Him. Like, how great will that celebration be? Man, it brings me to tears. I want to be there with you. And I want to get there and say, I gave it all though. May we not get there and say, I wish I would have done more. Let's commit. Let's be all in. I love you, church family. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this example of Paul. I thank you that you you call us to be like Christ, not what we want, not who we think we need to be. But Lord, call us to yourself. Lord, I ask that you would make us the church that is after your kingdom. Lord, I ask that you would Make it clear for us what we need to do now. Where we fell, fallen, where we've not done everything that we needed to do. How we've been about ourselves, not about your mission. Lord, whatever it is, Lord, I ask that you help us see it and give it over to you now. And Lord, that we would be different this week and forevermore. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Church.